everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Feel Your Fandom Podcast. My name is Saint. And I'm Jim. Jim? Question mark? Jim? We want to welcome you back to another episode of the Feel Your Fandom Podcast. We want to thank you for listening. And uh, uh, I just kind of want to vent a little bit. I've kind of been trapped in the desert for the last three weeks. Uh, so we kind trapped of... in the desert. It sounds like somebody's taking you hostage. It almost feels which I, like I guess is have. kind of the truth. Yeah. Well, I, I kind of feel like that, and I told my wife that it felt like very uh, hostage situationy because uh, I volunteered to come work in uh, Needles, California, uh, for what was supposed to be a two-week contract. And they extended it by sending me to Clovis, New Mexico after one week. But they didn't tell me they had extended the contract. They just did it. And so I had Clovis, to New Mexico. Li- yeah, so I had to the throw bustling my life metropolis of Clovis. It's it's not bustling or a metropolis. I can't even get decent food around here, which is saying something. And then you were in Texas for a minute uh, during a blizzard. Yeah. Yeah, which, you know, Texas Blizzard, those are two words that never went together before this year. No, it was crazy as shit, because check this out. So as I'm driving into Amarillo, and and for all those who don't know, I drive for the rail yards. I I ferry their crew around, shuttle the crew around. So we were taking them from Clovis, New Mexico to Amarillo. And on my way to Amarillo, like, as soon as I legit crossed the border from New Mexico to Texas, lightning storm started. Fantastic lightning storm. And I would have been really impressed if it wasn't just a little bit terrifying, you know, as those th- kind of things tend to be. And uh, so we progress into this uh, because uh, Amarillo is about 104 miles um, in that direction. I'm not sure, northeast-ish. And so as we're progressing, it turns from lightning storm to blizzard. And so the, it's like wind whipping and, and whiteout type of snow. And then we get through that. Probably in like 10 minutes or so. And all of a sudden, hail. Like really super strong hailstorm. And so that's pummeling us for about 10 minutes, 10, 15 minutes. And then we drive through that and it's back into blizzard for about another half hour. And then by the time I get to Amarillo, it's fine. Amarillo's not being touched at that point. Amarillo, Texas in general is weird. They're so independent with the power grid and the threats of secession. And uh, <laughs> the last time that I was in Texas, well, not the last time, a couple of times ago when I was in Texas, I went through Amarillo. I was moving out of Las Vegas, <clears throat> regrettably, which still was, you know, something that I, I don't like to, uh, it was a mistake. I really right. wish I'd stayed in Vegas, found a way to stay in Vegas. But I was moving out of Vegas and uh, my nephew and his then-girlfriend, now-wife, were in a trailer in front of me. Where They weren't in a trailer. They were in a truck towing a trailer with all my shit in it, and I was behind them. <laughs> and uh, they, we had run out of room in the trailer. We ratchet-strapped my, um, my, my king-size mattress to the roof of the trailer. And that was a pretty good solution for a good long while, um, because we'd watched the weather patterns all the way home, and there was not any issues. Um, but then we got to Texas and specifically we got to Amarillo and we just got hit by a massive downpour, just buckets, sheets of rain, and it just soaked the mattress through and turned it into a useless giant wet marshmallow. So we unstrapped it from the top of the trailer and ditched it behind a Walmart in Amarillo. And if you're in Amarillo listening, which I'm sure you wouldn't be, but if you were, um, you know, I apologize if you had to clean up my wet, soggy mattress from the back of a Walmart in in Amarillo, but Amarillo... (laughs) Is, uh, is is at least good for one reason. Well, there's a couple reasons. It's a nice little town. Uh, the Carhenge, 
of uh, the car, the Cadillac hens, the, the Cadillacs that are buried at about a uh, 80 degree angle, nose down in the dirt, are in Amarillo, and that's a fun roadside attraction to stop at. But also, anytime I'm in Amarillo, and that does seem to be a, a stop that I make quite frequently as I'm moving back and forth across the country, as I have several times, uh, Texas has Whataburger, and Whataburger is one of the best cult burgers. Now, you and I have talked about burgers on the on the show before with the Bob's Burgers episode, but privately, off mic, we talk a lot about cult burgers because we both travel a lot, mm-hmm. and there are regional burgers. That could be an episode in and of itself where we talk about regional burgers and the the the, uh, the appeal of of different uh, kind of local burger chains. Right. Um, and we probably should. But Whataburger is <laughs> one of my favorite uh, all-time regional burgers, and I, anytime I'm in Amarillo, I have to get one. I'm eating one right now. Oh, good for you. So I was uh, in Lubbock yesterday, and I picked up a, a sack full of, of Whataburgers just to keep with me in the refrigerator here, and better than ramen noodles again and again. So They are fantastic. Anyways, so enough about my captivity. This is day what, eight, 18 <laughs> in captivity, something like that. You got that caged animal vibe about you, which I don't blame you a bit for. My facial hair has gotten kind of crazy. It almost looks like just mountain man type shit, and... I need to get back home and style it so it actually looks like I did it on purpose instead of, like, Jumanji. So My boy's gone feral in his cage. <laughs> but anyways, so, uh, how's things been going with you, man? You doing good? Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's been a kind of a rough week um, for a bunch of reasons I'm not going to talk about. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we're getting through it. That's the thing you do with life. You get through it. Um, you know, ups, downs, peaks, valleys. Uh, but any day on the right side of the dirt is a gift, and I get to talk to you about nerdy shit. So today's a good day, and that's what I'm that's what I'm taking away from this. We will focus on the good shit. Accentuate the positive, eliminate the negative. Yeah, exactly. So, essentially, what the impetus behind today's conversation was is I was walking walking through YouTube again not too long ago. I've been bored as shit in my hotel room, so uh, I scrolled across a video that you know I had watched just ages ago ages ago and uh, it's a video called wolverine's claws suck by a youtube channel called greg and lou Um, and it was released in 2009 so it's quite a few years old but uh, the whole gist behind this video and i highly suggest you go out and watch it you can find it on youtube just youtube wolverine's claws suck and, and the idea behind the video, the long and short of it, is uh, these guys uh, come up on a company that's able to grant mutant powers uh, for $50,000 a piece. And so they save up, and they're like, oh, well, we want to be Wolverine. And the guy's like, oh, well, you know, Wolverine isn't a power. Uh, the claws are a power, and then the healing factor is a power. you got to pick. You don't have enough money to do both. you got to pick. And so, ultimately, to their tragic demise, they both pick claws, and and without a healing factor to back those claws up, it's just a a one hundred percent shit show. So that's a thing that was alluded to in the movies, but was made a much bigger deal about in the books. That uh, every time that Logan pops those bad boys out of his hand, he does recut his hand open, which is uh, you know not as a big a deal as it might have seemed because he does have the healing factor. So as soon as those claws go back in, zoop, those wounds heal, as knuckles heal right up. But it hurts every damn time. Mm-hmm. Every single time it, it, he heals, but every time he gets hurt, it still hurts. There's still yeah. pain involved. Yeah, so he, he doesn't have like a Percocet out. system. No, <laughs> he's not painless. He just heals really quickly. 
broken bones, they heal up pretty fast, but they do hurt when they snap in two. Those claws, they pop out of your hand and you can fuck shit up with them and it's really, really cool to do that if you're Wolverine, but <laughs> the whole time that those claws are out, his, he's got open wounds on his hands. Right. Rubbing up against, like, really sharp metal. And, and so that's kind of the thrust of the conversation today is I wanted to kind of uh, delve into... Uh, everyone likes to have these flights of fancy where they're like, oh, well, if you had a mutant power, what would your mutant power be? Or if you had a superpower, what would your superpower be? And so I kind of wanted to weigh the, the pros and cons of superpowers as a whole and uh, just kind of delve into the like the everyday real life aspects of having superpowers. Yeah, comic books exist in a fantasy world and you can sort of you're you're expected to through suspension of disbelief just abandon all laws of time space and physics and and just assume that if you have these powers they're going to work the way you want them to, they're going to be cool and everything's going to be fine, but in a real world setting like Saint just said, if you come across like an alien in the desert and uh, or the the forest and their their ship has crashed and as they're dying they give you like the Green Lantern ring or something and you or you and you get to pick whatever power that you want, if you you know it's it's that what are your five desert island albums? What's your favorite you know pizza topping? What's your superpower? That's that's one of those weird nerdy getting to know you questions, but right. some of them much like Wolverine's claws in a very practical real world sense, given that the 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 laws of physics in our actual real world universe are what they are. Which ones would be good to have, and which ones would kind of fuck your life up even worse? <laughs> exactly, and, and and kind of, uh, I've always kind of leaned towards, if I had to pick a superpower, it would be something like flight, or uh, intangibility, that kind of thing, you know what I mean? Yeah, you know, uh, flight's a good one. And everyone always... Flight's a very practical choice. Everybody read Superman as a kid, and that was always the first thing, that, that was his, his primary thing, Superman could fly, so we all thought about that as kids, I know I did. And, and then also, like, uh, uh, intangibility, and then also, like, healing factor, of course, has always been... Anyone who's dealt with chronic pain has always wished for healing factor. I mean, I gotta say, yeah, that, that's just... Well, a let's given. look at flight. Flight, is, as, as the first one, would be a, a pretty good one to have, uh, because you'd save a lot on airfare. Right. Um, you wouldn't have to worry about traffic. Right. And that's pretty cool, but, you know, flight as a... As a particular uh component of a suite of powers such as those that superman has would be um not that cool all by itself right because i mean well how fast could you fly first of all would you have to fly at like a regular walking pace in order to avoid your skin flaying off if you're like going through the air and you're <laughs> and and you're you're having to deal with wind resistance if you're not superman uh, right landing if you don't get that down right away you're looking at like several months in the hospital from broken bones right. flight alone is not that great. If in a, in a very practical, real-world sense, you could run into shit. If you had a telephone pole, you're going to die. <laughs> if you get sucked into a jet engine, that's it's curtains for you. Bad weather um, could classic. fuck you up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the Incredibles conundrum of, well, do you wear a cape for to, to, to look cool? And do you, do you, uh, does it get caught on power lines? What do you do? No kicks! Flight alone. Flight alone is kind of off my list in a very practical sense so they had uh, there's this game that uh, my in-laws have uh, played with us like at holidays and stuff and then they in fact this christmas they sent me not only the game but like six different expansion packs for the game and what super fight is 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 kind of a you draw a character card you draw an attribute card and then you draw a second attribute card or you could pick from like three different attribute cards. I think you have like a handful of attribute cards. And you can play whichever the strongest attribute is. But then you have to pick an attribute card at random 
that also applies is kind of a negative. And I was reminded of that when we talked about flight because one of the uh, attributes was, yes, you can fly, but you can only fly as fast as you can walk. So it's basically, uh-huh. it's yeah. you're hovering at that point. <laughs> it's hovering at pace. <laughs> so it really does, like, what's there's no benefit anymore. All of a sudden, this amazing power that you have is just useless. It's gone. It's just, you can, you can... You can be up there, but you're still just kind of moseying along at like a mile an hour. Or so, uh, so I was thinking about that, and, and 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 you're right, exactly right. Wind resistance would rip your face off. Bugs in your teeth, or in your face, yeah. or in your eyes, or weather patterns, <laughs> or telephone Dislocated lines. Dislocated shoulders or, from taking corners too sharp. Right, uh, superhero landing would break your knees. You know, um, yeah. I mean, there's a very, I mean, it's a very simple power. It's a very simple thing. Oh, I'd like to fly. Great. But like you said, without other supplementary abilities to counteract certain negatives on that, I mean, it's useless. It's not only useless, it's dangerous. Yeah, it, so. that's true. You know, as, that's, I think, why the, the, uh, the folks, the creators behind Superman probably came up with a sweet... I mean, if you, if you want to look at like, the, the three primary superpowers that Superman has. I mean, obviously, he's been kind of a Kryptonian Swiss army knife, and they've just added stuff <laughs> as they've needed it narratively with like the laser vision and the or heat vision and the, the, the cold breath and everything. But the big three powers, the big three superpowers uh, are the flight, the, uh, the, the super strength... And the inability to be damaged, the impervious from harm thing. Right. So the three of those together would be pretty sweet. Those would be actually really good to have in in in, uh, in, in concert with each other because they complement each other. They work well together. But any one of them alone would just be terrible. Flight, obviously, without without uh, uh, being impervious or being strong, would be would be useless as we've discussed. Being strong alone is kind of pretty cool because we've seen people like Hathor Bjornsson and like these strongman guys who can lift a ton and they carry a log 15 feet that weighs a ton and a half. That That's not necessarily terrible in and of itself, but it does take its toll on your body over time. Your joints eventually turn to powder and you can't do it anymore. Right. So that stinks. And being impervious without be, or being, uh, um, yeah, impervious without being able to, to fly or be strong, that might be probably, if you had to pick one, at least kind of the the most practical of the three unless you get sick because that would essentially grant you immortality you know unless you get sick you know but uh that would be implied that you couldn't so you can't age you can't be shot you can't be killed you can't get a a terrible disease of the three even though it's the most boring of the three it's more passive than active uh the the imperviousness would probably be the one that um that would be the most useful in a day-to-day setting see now i think you're you're incorporating imperviousness with with healing abilities and 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 so we can kind of get into that one as well now if you think about yeah because the farmer would make it so you can't get damaged to begin with and the second is just you heal up real quick when you do right but let's say you're impervious um there's there'd have to be issues with uv radiation they can't go through your skin if nothing can get through your skin, you can't get stung by a bee, sure, but you can't receive the things that permeate our skin all the time that keep us healthy and alive. You can't... Well, they touched on that a little bit in the Luke Cage series on Netflix right. when he needed a, to get an injection or something and the right. needles kept crumbling against his skin. Right, and the same thing with Superman. They have to use a special like kryptonite-infused needle to inject him with anything good or bad and bullets and same thing so i mean uh i think that would be a detriment as well because i mean you become basically living rock yeah and 
that wouldn't be good for anyone. Now we talk about healing factor. Healing factor is a completely different animal. On the one side, and the thing that I've always been, the thing, the issues that I've always had with Wolverine as a character kind of stem down from this is, yes, you can heal from any damage. It takes you back to uh, homeostasis. You go mm -hmm. right from, from injury back to the way you were. Now, it says you don't, basically you don't age because your skin just keeps regenerating, your cells just keep regenerating, your blood just keeps regenerating, everything keeps bringing... Your bones knit, your skin comes back together, everything. I've seen books where Wolverine uh, got basically burned he was uh burned to or death, hit with basically. an atomic bomb or something and his atoms scatter and they just they just find themselves it takes a long time but i've seen really grotesque uh comic books where he just you know from like a puddle of blood on the ground he just kind of eventually over a couple and, of hours yeah. knits himself back together again yeah i've seen the same thing and and so but i think the question that always bugged me about that in the realm of believability which of course is we're talking superpowers there's no real believability to be had yeah but uh, if you had a healing factor, at what point does it take you back to? How does it know when to take you back to? So let's say Wolverine got his powers when he was... They, they always talk about mutant powers in the comic books being an expression of puberty. So sure. let's say James Howlett, Logan, Wolverine, whatever you want to call him, yep. develops his powers at age 13. So why is he allowed to then age to look like a gruff <laughs> mid forties kind of dude like he always does? Why isn't yeah. he always constantly reverting back to thirteen? Well, what I think I think if I can draw a really shitty analogy here, which is you know kind of that's the nature uh, of the show yeah. that I have. Yeah. Uh, the Old Man Logan storyline, which was, of course, famously turned into the Logan film, which was the last, uh, as far as we know right now, the last outing of Hugh Jackman and the character. I think it almost works like a restore point on your computer. Like, you set up a restore point. Like, what's the last safe save state on my, <laughs> my PC? And so then if you get something that goes wrong with your system, you can always revert back to one that was a couple of days ago, and you don't really lose that much progress. But and the reason I think that is because the Logan storyline, he does age. He does age. It's just incredibly slowed down. Um, it, you know, he he uh, he takes his time to get there. He does eventually get older, um, but it just it just takes a really really long time. So I think maybe that's maybe his genetic code understands there's a safe restore point from before all this damage happened, and it just kind of takes him back to the last time when things were okay, mm -hmm. and then the the very slow aging process marches on. But it, you know, there might be just a a a particular subroutine that's been inserted into his DNA or that was there to begin with or that arose, like you said, during the you know, mutant phase of his development that just put it in that, well, whenever you have to do this, you'll just go back to the last time you, that your, your system was stable. That's, that's just kind of a dangerous precedent. It's like, you get a, it's like hitting a save point in Final Fantasy. Yeah. If you don't hit that save uh -huh. point, yeah, you go back 30 seconds far. before the boss fight. Um <laughs> uh, yeah, so I mean, healing factor would be great, but it's it's. I mean, it, there's all definitely drawbacks to that too. Once again, once again, uh, you outlive everyone you've ever known. Yep. Um, everyone you know is dead. You you persist, uh, much like Wolverine uh, over the years has persisted from I want to say mm -hmm. early 1800s through yeah, ad infinitum really, and then uh, yeah, I mean, you can't get sick, but 
I don't know. It's like like we were talking about with uh, with the pain thing. You can still feel the pain. You can still get hurt. It just fixes itself. But even that seems like a very painful process too. So there'd be a lot of uh, mental and emotional trauma, I imagine, involved with that. Which I think they've kind of built into that character over the years. He is a very bitter, angry, uh, sort of revenge-driven, I-can't-die-so-I-have-an-attitude sort of character. So I think that's a component of his overall persona, and they've built that in in, in ways large and small. Uh, and that's probably the thing they were thinking about when they did that. Yeah. So, I mean, okay. Uh, as far as uh, powers go, healing would be good, but kind of long-term detrimental. All right, so now we talked about my power. If What, what has been your uh, go-to response if you were talking about uh, Desert Island, five favorite books, favorite food, favorite mutant power? Well, it's fun that we're touching on this today because I have actually gone down this rabbit hole mentally in my more bored moments a lot because you really do have to sort of consider the real-world implications of having these powers if you could pick one. So I've definitely given this some, some, uh, some time to chew on in my head. And every problem or every power that comes up has, has an associated, like those, the guys with the Wolverine claws in the video that you mentioned, every power that you could possibly think of has a downside. Uh, like when I was a kid, obviously the first thing you see Superman on TV, you think it'd be cool to fly. We've gone over that one already. Right. Uh, then I thought invisibility might be cool, but invisibility would actually really suck uh, because if you were invisible, you'd also be blind because you'd have no retinas for light to bounce off of. So the second right. you were invisible, the light would just pass right through you. Right. And so you'd be able to maybe feel your way around a room that you already knew pretty well, but that's a useless superpower as it is. Um, I think the one that I settled on, there is a book that I read when I was in my early 20s. It's really stuck with me. Uh, it's a book called The Fermata by Nicholson Baker, who also wrote a book called Vox that was very popular in that, that part of the, the century. And the idea of the fermata, and I, the, the, the power stuck with me, the actual nature of the story stuck with me. I don't remember how this got the character in the book, but it's told the first-person narrative. And at some point, either through divine intervention or circumstance, this guy winds up with the ability to stop time. He can freeze time and move about freely within it. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I've spent so many years thinking about how superpowers would impact us practically in a very realistic setting is because of that book. Because this guy really, Nicholson Baker, the author, really took it to the extreme. Where if this guy froze time and could move around within it, he had to be very careful to do that because he still aged while the time was moving, not moving around him. So if you froze time for five minutes, you could essentially deduct five minutes off of your life. So... If you did it a whole bunch, you would just age faster. You would just turn to dust. You would uh, you would age rapidly to everyone else around you. Yeah. If you used yeah. it a whole bunch in a year, then you would actually have to deduct that time from the year and realize you'd age that much more quickly. He also built something into the narrative where you had to constantly walk around to be able to breathe because the air would not move. And if you inhale oh. the oxygen in your immediate couple of foot you know, uh, sphere around you and exhale carbon dioxide, you'd start to choke. At one point, he'd, he was just driving in traffic, and traffic wasn't moving, and he was kind of ruminating on the irony of, well, I can freeze time, and right now I'm essentially frozen in time because I'm in gridlock. And he was driving next to a body of water. So he got out of the car just to see what would happen if he walked through the water, and it was like jello. It was like a gel. He would walk and leave little trails with his legs behind him in the water because it wouldn't fill in behind him. Stuff like that. But there are also some cool moments in the book, like one of my favorites, um, which was violent but hilarious. He actually was, there was a mugging attempt. Uh, some guys in the book tried to mug him. And so he, of course, rolled his eyes and, and snapped his fingers or did whatever he did. I don't remember the trigger mechanism by which he actually stopped the time. Uh, 
But he stopped the time, and these two guys had a gun on him. One was the bag man, and one was the hold-up guy. And then he went to a nearby telecommunications truck and got a length of telephone wire. Um, took a knife from the one guy, poked a hole in the back of both of their pants, threaded a section of telephone line through the back of their pants, tied it tightly around their genitals, and then anchored it to a telephone pole. And Ooh. then he gave them both the finger and ran away, and they went to go chase him, got 10 feet, and were stopped short by the telephone wire that was tied around their junk, and they dropped like a bag of rocks. And that's just, it's just really how creative that was and how funny that was. And it was kind of awful, but at the same time, these guys were trying to hold him up, so it was very funny. So, you know, the answer to your question, my sort of, um, if I could pick a superpower, that's the one I would pick. Because this guy who wrote this book, Nicholson Baker, and I highly recommend it if you're ever looking through Amazon board and want something to read. He kind of looked at it from every angle and examined every possibility of the exact pretense of this episode of what would the superpower act like in a real world setting. And he kind of thought of everything. And while there were some drawbacks and there were some, some weird things he had to think about, uh, mostly they were easily navigable and the benefits of being able to stop time. I mean, not that I would do this, obviously, it definitely goes without saying I wouldn't, but he would do shit like he would stop time if he needed some money and just grab some money out of a cash register. Right. And then he would have money for that day. Or if he was hungry and didn't want to pay for the food. I mean, he didn't use it all for crime. He did definitely did some things that were were uh, beneficial. But for the most part, he just would, like, you know, stop time and, and, and fuck around, you know? He, he would just freeze it and then see what, what kind of mischief he could get up with. Almost like that Quicksilver scene in the Exxon movie where he... he he doesn't freeze time, but he moves so quickly it might as well be frozen. He's running around the kitchen, uh, sort of forcing the, uh, the the agents in in Magneto's prison to punch themselves <laughs> and 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 wedgie themselves and fall over and stealing their hats and things like that. I so love he uses it for scene. a lot of mischief and yeah, yeah, that's that's a classic and it's it's spiked again in popularity on YouTube ever since uh, WandaVision, which uh, you know spoiler free thing. Uh, probably shouldn't talk about that if you haven't seen the show yet. But oh, we're gonna do a whole episode about that one. So yeah. So uh, that that scene has has been making the rounds on YouTube again, and the recommendations, and a lot of people have been watching it, and reposting it, because even though the uh, the sort of Fox Universe X Men films had their issues, they had some great characters, but they they, they kind of went off the rails there towards the last couple. Uh, didn't watch the Dark Phoenix movie. Didn't watch um, uh, the the one with Oscar Isaac as uh, uh, Apocalypse. I don't even remember the name of the character. Yeah, Apocalypse. I didn't watch that one. Um, so those I did watch the Logan film, but those those they, they did kind of they they fell away, but still I mean that was the Marvel for all of their their amazing storytelling and fantastic handling of their own characters, they never put together a scene as cool as Evan Peters as Quicksilver running around that kitchen in the prison, self punching the cops and and throwing them into the ceiling. That was just really fun. Yeah. Well, we're going to take a real quick break. When we come back, we're going to continue on this uh, conversation about mutant and superpowers. Stick around. Welcome back. So we're talking about the practicality and impracticality of having uh, 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 superpowers and 
mutant powers. They don't have to be mutant powers. They can be superpowers. If you're non-Marvel, uh, you can go DC, just be superpowers or whatever you want to call them. Extraordinary abilities, we'll say. And so I thought of a couple. Um, for instance, now you have your Human Torch. Yes. Um, I mean, and there's there's uh, people in DC versions that are basically the same subset of powers, but uh, there's the flight, there's the flames, the control of fire, fire manipulation, and uh, the safety and protection from the fire manipulation. Yep. But in a real world setting, you can't walk while you're on fire. You'd set fires everywhere you go. Mm-hmm. No one could get near you. So your effective ability as a superhero would be... No severe. saving people from burning buildings, which you might have even set on fire yourself you, to begin with. You caused it. Um, yeah. The, the only thing I could think of you'd be good for is campfires. You know? Yeah, you could sit and you know uh, crisscross applesauce on the floor and let kids roast marshmallows on your head. <laughs> so you're just going to be called the mighty s'more. Uh... <laughs> the mighty s'more, perfect. Yeah, and and that's I, I don't know if they ever actually explained it in the book. I'm sure they did. I don't remember reading Fantastic Four comics that much as a kid. I'm sure Reed Richards came up with some flame retardant fabric that would make it so that his fun uh, skin type blue bodysuit would not catch on fire or would put the fire would not burn away because i mean if you had to you know constantly put a new lycra jumpsuit on every time you had to leave the house and every time you flamed on you were essentially nude until you got back to the uh the, the baxter building or were able to suit up again that would actually really suck it would and 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 what he what reed came up with there, they called it unstable molecules and apparently it's one of the base components for all superhero costumes in the marvel universe and and apparently Edna Mode has developed them in the Incredibles universe, so uh, there's yes. that. But it's something that just... Uh, I'm uh, glad you told me that, because that was a piece of that narrative that actually had escaped me. I wasn't really sure how he was able to keep his, his clothes from catching on fire every single time. Yeah, something to do with unstable molecules and whatever. Dimensional shifting, I know. it's They teched the tech, as John Champion would say, so... Um, but uh, same power. Okay, let's let's go into the opposite direction now. You got we talked a little bit about this before, Iceman, and his manipulation of, of of ice and and the air around him and being able to generate all this ice based on, uh, his physiology and everything else and and his powers have a whole, just a whole array of issues that they can deal with. But, uh, practicality wise, um. Like we talked about before in the other episode, creating an ice slide would leave behind a trail of just frozen water suspended in the air. However, he's getting around. That shit melts. That shit cracks. And ice is very, very dense and very, very heavy. So unless he's doing all of his sliding, look kind of like the hovering when you fly uh, on a a ground level basis, that ice has got to go somewhere. And it's going to damage buildings, it's going to damage cars, it's going to fucking hit people, it's going to uh, mess up the water table. I mean, it's going to, it's not going to be good news for for a lot of people. Yeah, and as we, we saw in the uh, first Ant-Man movie, uh, ice expanding is, is actually stronger than steel. He cracked that, that safe door 
uh, during the initial break-in scene by pouring, uh, by making an, an ice dam in between the, the supports and the door. So until that ice melted, you'd have trucks running into it, you'd, you'd have uh, people walking into it, it would be in the way, and it could possibly do a whole lot of property damage. Right. And, and I'm trying to think if there's any kind of practical reason that, unless you live in the Arctic and it just have an insulation against the cold, there's really, I mean, limited things you can do with that in a real world scenario. Keep your ice cream yeah. cold when, before you get home from the store, but <laughs> cool. A or cup if you're of frozen tea. in the Incredibles, you can spit an icicle at, uh, and, and then they can, you know, it, or no, he didn't spit the icicle. Dash spit the icicle and then froze on, froze it in midair and did the tumble and caught it. Oh, right. I like it when it chatters. So there's, there's <laughs> little party tricks you can do. There's little parlor gags that you can pull with that power. But yeah, in a practical sense, uh, yeah, you're, you're, you're definitely testing your, your city's sewer system pretty heavily every time you go out and try and, you know, where is my super suit? And go to save the, save the city and, and fix things. Where is my super suit? I love that one. So I, I recently also, this is totally off topic, but I saw somebody who put these side-by-side scenes of Frozone and Honey in the apartment in the first Incredibles movie uh, side-by-side with the final scene of, um, and again, all the MCU movies kind of blur together, but whichever one where Maria Hill and Nick Fury turned into ash at the end. Uh, uh, Infinity because you War. see, yeah, Infinity War. You see Frozone in the apartment, in his apartment, and there's a, uh, a spiraling helicopter that, that spins around and crashes into a building. And then at the end of Infinity War, when Nick Fury is in the street and people are starting to uh, particleize because of the snap, uh, there's a, a helicopter that spirals and crashes into a building behind him. And people were wondering, is that just an accident or was it an homage? Because it's pretty well known that people in the MCU and in the DCEU who are making these these live action superhero movies now all kind of love the Incredibles. So there's there's a, a, a it was a debate a little while ago whether or not that was an Easter egg or whether it was just you know a trope that somebody reused without realizing it. Well, and then that's a whole other. We could talk about the we could have a whole episode based on the Thanos snap and just yeah. the ramifications of that. So stay tuned. We might do that. That's that's a good conversation. So, but. All right, so let's go down the list of other superpowers that are kind of... Sure. Oh, well, let's start here. Batman doesn't have any superpowers. Iron Man doesn't have any superpowers. Okay, so these two people... Money. Money is their superpower. Money is their superpower, for real. But we've got billionaires and we don't have Batman. We've got billionaires and we don't have Iron Man. Yet. Right. Elon Musk is trying, but I think he's going to be more of a Doctor Doom. (laughs) Yeah, that's kind of the direction he's leaning in. He's he's kind of he's a genius, but he's fucking batshit insane. So he's got the genius thing, he's got the cocky thing, he's got the money, but his but you know what does he do with it? He doesn't make a super suit out of it. He just makes flamethrowers and and and, uh, racist comments. (laughs) Right? Jesus Christ, Elon, do better, man. Do better. Yeah, get your fucking poop in a group, dude. You need to uh, you need to set an example for the rest of us. Right. But, so, Batman goes up against big bads and uses technology infused in his suit and his, his superior fighting abilities to uh, help him along in a world where superpowers exist. But by Where does he large, get those wonderful toys? Well, like as you said, money. Yeah. Um, and a fantastic R&D department. But... The fact is, flight could kill him. Yep. Getting If Superman really got pissed at him, bink, all he has to do is flick him. 
and he's done. Yeah, Frank Miller and Bats of East Soups, the movie notwithstanding, it would be very, very easy to kill him. But I think in both of those scenarios, Bruce is kind of counting on the fact that Clark is a giant blue Boy Scout and has that I'm not going to kill anybody moral code. So he just thought, I can take this guy down in creative ways because he might be able to beat the tar out of me and, and, and uh, drag me to the edge of death, but he's not going to finish me off. Right. When I, always, I got time. I always take a more pragmatic view of someone with Superman's power set. And unfortunately for me, it always delves back into Homelander from yes. the boys. Because I feel like... And, and people always ask me the same question. Okay, so it's like uh, the question that I get a lot was, uh, if you were, if you had the ability to wield the Force, for instance, in, in a Star Wars yeah. scenario, uh, would you be a Jedi? Would you be a Sith? Would you be somewhere in the middle? It's like, I always tell people, it's like, I think I'd start out as a as a Jedi. I'd always start out with the best of intentions. But after a sure. while, the ability to do anything I want, the ability to fix anything I want, the ability to have anything I want go my way. Absolute power corrupts, absolutely. Right, and I want to say that I'd be uh, immune to that, that I know better, that I would make better choices, but I... I'm I'd probably wind up Hancock too, you know? Right. That's the thing. That's what they don't really talk about too much. Hancock addressed it and the the boys addressed it. Where that, fi- again, if you haven't watched The Boys, it's an incredible uh, series on Amazon Prime. You should check it out. But if you haven't watched it, <clears throat> hit that uh, skip button a couple times on your, your podcast app because I'm going to. There's that the scene at the end of the. Yeah, there's a scene at the end of the, the second season where Homelander is standing on the, the, the gargoyle precipice looking out over the city and essentially masturbating and screaming to himself, I can do whatever I want. That God complex of I have all the power in the world so nobody can really touch me, they, they, they kind of twisted that a little bit in Hancock when he agreed as a PR move to go to prison for a little while for the property damage and some of the shit that he's done. And he served his sentence to the degree that he needed to, even though he could have flown over the fence or punched through the wall at any time. Uh, so yeah, there, there's, there's definitely a, a component to that where absolute power corrupts absolutely. And, and if I had these abilities, I'd probably start out doing them, uh, it, doing things with them that, that were very altruistic and very beneficial to humanity. But at some point, unless you build in like an absolute moral code, like Batman won't kill anybody and, and, uh, Clark, because he lost so much, uh, when Krypton blew up, he's, he's not going to kill anybody. He's, they, they have these really bone deep baked in moral codes that make it so that they're easy to look up to. I mean, you know, man of steel, notwithstanding, that was a totally different take on the character, but for traditionally Superman has the, I'm never going to kill anybody thing because he understands in a way that I, 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 if I do that, I'm no better than the crime I'm trying to fight. So they have to make that a constant reinforced central core component of his character, or else you would have a character like Homelander. Right. And, and and with Batman and his moral code, too, uh, the I'm not going to use guns, I'm not going to kill. Well, we've all seen him do it. We've all seen yeah. him kill. We've all seen, like, if he doesn't kill you outright, like, <laughs> knocking you out on a rooftop and letting you dangle, well, the cord could snap, everything. I mean, you fly off a building, you're done. He punches and... you over a rooftop. There's a scene in Batman Year One, the Frank Miller book, and I always love Frank Miller's take on Batman, but there's a scene in that book and it's kind of great. It's it's a uh, an alternate take on the origins of the character, not like the the murder of his parents and the bat flying through the window in the classic Bob Kane story. But the there's a scene in that where he's just starting out as a crime fighter, 
and he's just popping up in the papers. They're not sure what to make of him yet. He's a, you know, he's still referred to as the vigilante in the Dark Knight and all this. And he's in a, a building and he's trying to to find information. I don't remember the actual context of what this scene uh, involves, but he's hiding under a staircase. He's he's crouched in the shadows under a staircase, and there's a guy walking down the staircase. And it's it's uh, he's already wiped out all the guys in the. Yeah, and the line has always stuck with me. He's he's in he's hiding underneath the staircase, and one of the guys in the gang who he just beat the shit out of, and the bodies are all lying around in the basement, is coming down the staircase, and there's a thought bubble above Bruce's head, and he says, "There are seven defensive moves from this position. Three of them disarm with minimal contact. Three of them kill. One of them hurts." So he goes with Hertz, and I think he does like a sidekick into the guy's hip or knee or something and just disables a major joint that supports his whole body. <laughs> and the guy, of course, screams and crumples like a bag of rocks. And then Bruce straddles him looking for information, patting down his pockets while this guy's screaming bloody murder in incoherent agony. And he's like, okay, you got cigarettes on you, you got pills, is there no end to your bad deeds in, in your shitty habits? Uh, tell me what I need to know. And I, yeah, I'm, I, if, you, if you tell me what I need to know, I'll, I'll, call the, uh, I'll, I'll take you outside to where an ambulance can find you. If you don't tell me what I want to know, then I'll just let you hear and you, know, you, can, you can find your own way out with your powdered hip. And it was just, you know, it was one of those moments where it's like, if you were Bruce and you did have superior fighting ability and you weren't necessarily, uh, you had the drop on this guy, would you, would you have chosen one of the first three that disarm with minimal contact or, or you know, would you go for the one because you're trying to punish criminals and build a reputation for yourself and leave one alive so you can go back and tell the rest what a badass you are and maybe you know watch yourself out on those streets yeah see and and but be that as it may now we got to go back to the fact that they don't have any powers bruce's only powers are his uh detective yeah. skills and his fighting abilities which he's learned over time okay granted uh, one false move, one batarang out of place, one grappling hook that doesn't connect in real life scenarios, and he'd be right. toast. Iron Man. And a batarang, which is kind of like uh, Cap's shield, where it just always kind of comes back to his hand and bounces off exactly what he needs it to and always does what, exactly what it's supposed to. Right, no real world physics involved. So uh, yeah. now let's look at Iron Man, same situation. No superpowers, sure. nothing other than. Fantastic technology that keeps him safe inside this mechanical bubble. Uh, landing after flight would powder his bones. Yeah, it sure would. The and they show that a few times. Not the powdering, but the landing. Right. The bone, the 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 weight of that suit is just going to crush everything inside of him. You assume, I guess, that he's kind of built in shock absorbers and things like that that are uh, nano stabilizers and all that kind of crazy, um, you know, tropey shit that uh, Star Trek quantum uses a lot of that and, too. Yeah, yeah, you know, there's there's a um, uh, a trope, and I can't remember the name of it. It's on TVTropes.com, which is a fantastic website to lose an afternoon. And it's, I think, they, they talk about unobtainium. They talk about like quantum flux and just you know the the sort of broad brush that that sci-fi and fantasy and superhero creators can paint things with to say they just hand wave it off and say oh he, his bones don't powder because of quantum flux i don't give a shit how thick your football <laughs> helmet is i don't give a shit how well engineered your car is if you hit another player running at full speed and he's running at full speed and you got to compound the dual speed of that or if you hit a wall in your car and even if you have a seatbelt and airbags it doesn't matter the impact of that is still going to absolutely fuck your shit up for a very long time if it doesn't outright kill you I agree, and and it's just impractical at best, uh, trying to be a superhero and, and not having that ability. Yeah, 
Um, and then in real life, I mean, we have, I wouldn't say superheroes, but we got people that dress up in costumes and pretend to be superheroes. We had Phoenix Jones down here uh, for a long time, or in the Seattle yeah. area. And it turns out he was a bastard. Uh, a lot of crime in his past and future and present. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's, I mean, the unfortunate reality behind that kind of thing. But uh, people getting dressed up. I did see in... a documentary once about real life superheroes, guys who, who wear, and gals who wear the, uh, the the superhero outfits and try to go out and, and enact social justice on their own terms. Right. And it, it's, it's always problematic. It doesn't always work out in the way that anybody hopes it will. Well, and I think we have a unique perspective on that, having been uh, quote unquote vigilantes in the past. Um, True. Our. our our past history working with Perverted Justice and Dateline NBC uh, as the uh, yep. the uh, shield, uh, the human shield between these kids on the internet and these creeps that were trying to pick them up for illicit purposes. Uh, we've gotten a taste of being what being just even of an internet vigilante could do to you. Uh, opening yeah. you up for scrutiny, opening you up for uh, debate. Uh, opening you up towards a lot of people that don't like what you do and are trying to shut you down and and take you to task for it. I and we mean, originally hid behind screen names and pseudonyms in order to try to protect our identities, but once these things very actionably started going to court, our names all got entered into the public record and they were an easy uh, request away to find out who we were. And we did, to a certain degree, find out that most of the people who opposed us were pretty cowardly, and I, I definitely never suffered any ill effects from my work with them. And I know uh, I don't know if for sure if you did or not, but you seem to be sitting up and taking nourishment, so I'm guessing no. <laughs> um, but yeah, we just we kind of feared initially that if somebody finds out who we are, they could you know hunt us down and and try and assault us or do property damage or or try and get after our loved ones or something. And it was a very practical concern, but it it never wound up happening. Nevertheless. It's, it's always been something that, like, say, Spider-Man. Um, Aunt May is his weak point. If you Superman, he's, he's impervious, except for Kryptonite. But if you're talking about Peter Parker, uh, and this definitely came to pass in the movies as well as the comic books, Aunt May is, is his heart. His heart lives outside his body, and she's always a factor that he has to think about. That's why he wears the mask, so that nobody finds out who he is and comes after the people he cares about. Right, and they played around with that with Superman, too, for a while, uh, when uh, they revealed... Uh, in the New 52 era, they kind of played fast and loose with uh, with his uh, uh, a secret identity, and they revealed yeah. that Clark Kent was Superman. And then, yeah, of course, all the natural shit happened. Repercussions at the Daily Planet for his job and for them basically housing him all these times. Uh, and suing them for, you employed this guy, so you're responsible for any, any building mm-hmm. he punched somebody through. Mm-hmm. And then Lois Lane, of course, getting backlash because everyone knows that she was married to Clark Kent, who is now Superman. Or at that point, dating yeah. Clark Kent and Super. I mean, the, the, it's all a bit funky with the reboots and revamps. And but at the same time, and we're going to see that with the new Spider-Man movie because spoiler alert for Far From Home. But at the end of the movie, uh, Mysterio releases Peter Parker's identity, and so yeah. unless they find some way to magically retcon that, people know who he is. Now it's only- well, it's the multiverse. We're going to get into the multiverse in the next Spider-Man movie. We know Doctor Strange is going to shoot. It's it, some rumors don't really pan out. Uh, and again, when we get to the WandaVision stuff, we'll talk about that. Um, fan theories are, are a blessing and a curse. I mean, obviously, we truck very heavily in them, but uh, they, they can they can turn around and bite you in the ass if you get too deep down that rabbit hole. But yeah, obviously, that's going to come into play, and and uh, we're going to have to see how that one how that one plays out. Yeah, I mean. You're right, though. 
these people have uh, external factors that they keep the mask on for. I mean, we kind of, we kind of strayed from the topic, but that's fine. Uh, we kind of do that around here. But uh, we, we have a tendency to go off on tangents. But, I mean, it's, it's a good tangent because, I mean, that's another uh, un- unforeseen side of having superpowers or being a superpowered individual is that those around you would be in great personal risk. Uh, so, yes, uh, uh, having a secret identity would be important, but... You know, the second that slips, there's going to be never-ending amount of shit that goes on behind the scenes. And you can't and put it, the toothpaste back on the tube or the genie back in the bottle. There not, is the very famous scene in the in I think it was one of Raimi's Spider-Man movies, as well as that famous comic book cover, where Pete just gives it up. He walks away. The stress is too much. He forgets the classic "With great power comes great responsibility" stuff that Uncle Ben told him when he was in the throes of death and he dumps the costume and it was uh, a very famous spider-man cover with like the spidey costume half hanging out of a garbage can in an alleyway yeah, and him walking John away from Romita it it was Jr. a shot that was yeah. yeah yeah very much so and it, was, it was a shot that was mirrored uh to great effect in in uh, i think the third it was second or third Raimi spider-man movie but eventually obviously you can't split the characters up spider-man is peter parker bruce wayne is batman clark kent is superman you can't divorce these characters from their personas and eventually shit happens that they realize they could have fixed and they get called back to it because they feel guilty and and nobody ever stays out of the suit for very long even if they decide to retire and walk away right uh so we're gonna take another real quick break and when we come back we will kind of bash a few more superpowers against the wall and see kind of the the pluses (laughs) and minus of them again So stick around. We'll be right back. Welcome back. So now you brought up something uh, that uh, with that book you were talking about, uh, about how he, he walks through the, uh, the, the oxygen and, and uses yes. up all the oxygen all the time for reason. And I've had that th- same thought with uh, Giant Man, Ant-Man, Scott yeah. Lang in the comic books or Henry Pym if you're in the comic books, uh, Giant Man or Ant-Man. Now, when you and somebody talked about this right when the first Ant-Man movie came out. And I don't remember who it was, but uh, when he shrinks, he should, they say that he keeps the proportionate strength of the human that he was. So, yeah, it would be very, very strong. Um, But the oxygen doesn't shrink with him. And so if you shrink now, because he has that helmet that supposedly deus ex machina is all the oxygen into his system or whatever it does yep but people have shrunk people have been reduced without having that and so, so you're, you're basically breathing in giant oxygen molecules the size of canned hams and you can't get enough air into your tiny lungs to function properly right you're just your body is not set to handle that your body cannot do that so uh you die almost immediately you would die now take that to the other extent Let's say you have the ability to grow really big, like like Scott Lang did in uh, that famous airplane or the airport scene in uh, Civil War. Now you're you're just humongous, and everyone's like, "Holy shit, he's going to be super humongous. He's going to be uh, super strong, and and uh, 
and all of this, that, and the other thing. But the fact of the matter is, is you would expand, your body would expand, but you would be about as strong as wet tissue because your body's not meant to handle the strain <laughs> of being that large and, and having the process. And the same thing with the, the, the oxygen wouldn't hit you the same. The oxygen would be too small to process. And, uh, I mean, shrink, you die. Grow, you die. Any thoughts on that? So I think probably we've, we've, we've to a certain extent, almost kind of seen that in action with Andre the Giant who was not oh. obviously a giant, but he was just a very, very large person. And he had issues with his joints. He died very young because the human body is simply not meant to be that size. I think he was almost eight feet tall, and he weighed almost 500 pounds. Of course, that could be wrestling statistics that were beefed up for PR, but you know, you know he was still, regardless, a, a giant, giant man. And he just had tons and tons of physical issues, no pun intended. And he was a legendary drinker. Because obviously your metabolism is based on your body size. And so that man, in order to combat his incredible physical pain, he used to put down a case of wine a night, according to some accounts. And he would drink case upon case of beer. And they look like shot glasses in his hand. There's a very famous photograph of him holding a can of Molson uh, Canadian beer. And it looks like it looks like a 10-ounce a, a can of uh, V8 juice. It's just very tiny. So we, we can sort of see in a real world sense how having a even a slightly larger than average maybe a 50% to 70% larger body than the average human causes just massive issues with joints with metabolism with early death uh, people who have uh, been in the Guinness Book of World Records for having an out of control pituitary Robert Ludlum I think was his name the guy who was the tallest man in the world who was uh, eight and a half feet tall he died very young because he just wouldn't stop growing and his body couldn't handle it so if you grow very slowly over time and you die in your late 30s or early 40s because your body is crumpling, imagine growing to the size of the Chrysler building in about eight seconds. Right. Uh, the the Im immense gravity, the density, the weight of your own body, you, you would probably just crumple under, under just trying to hold yourself up long enough to be effective to do anything. You have to imagine. And uh, again, like I said, your musculature doesn't really change right. that way. I mean, you'd be a wet fart. That's about as strong yeah. as you'd be. So what about you? Pick power. Go. Okay, the Hulk. You're the mm. Hulk. Um, and it's the same sort of situation as with Johnny Storm, where if you get irritated, well, I mean, obviously uh, Bruce was able to get it under control for the movies as a narrative device, and of course he eventually turned into a creature that could retain his intellect as well as have a big bulky body. But the, the classic trade-off, and it was, it's, it's, Hulk was obviously a metaphor between being under control and being intelligent and then suddenly losing control and being a rage monster and not, and not having any, any actual sway over your own faculties to be able to make rational decisions. Uh, we've, we've all known people that have anger issues, and it's a very, very clear line of where that started off. But in a very practical sense, uh, he would always be running around and doing his thing, and then he would go back to normal. Uh, but the, the, the shredded purple pants... <laughs> it was always a very convenient trope to be able to not have giant green Hulk dong flapping around because, you know, Bruce Banner is an average sized man. You, he's, he's shown to be somewhere in the neighborhood of like 5'10", maybe 200 pounds, 190 pounds. And then he turns into this, you know, 600 pound, uh, eight foot tall rage monster. And, and uh, you, you'd have to constantly wear like the unstable molecule costume underneath your clothes just in case you decided to Hulk out. Otherwise, in addition to the property damage... And the uh, the liability for for personal harm, you'd also probably get slapped with an indecent exposure lawsuit because you you knocked over a Buick with your cock while you were running past it. 
<laughs> just <laughs> sorry that's a very that's a very pointed visual there uh just picture the hulk just running just chugging bruce bruce as the hulk just chugging running down the street just with a giant dick swinging back and forth and just pendulous balls dragging on the ground making a trench in the concrete it's a concern so you know those pants are magical and they have to be in order to be able to make the comics code authority not come after you oh my god um, but obviously, uh, much much like Brody and Mallrats, when he's thinking about superhero genitals, uh, so does does the thing have a have a cock made of rock? You know, uh, it's a superhero secret. We don't talk about those things. Obviously, it's a concern, and people have thought about it. But you have to worry about that stuff again. If we're talking from a strict, strictly practical, real world standpoint, if the rest of them is getting that big, then again, maybe it's a steroid thing where if you have you know an excess amount of testosterone and muscle, then your your junk shrinks to the size of uh, of, of a twig and berries maybe that's a, an issue that you don't have to worry about who knows but again this is why we talk about these things that could explain a lot of his rage issues honestly like if he if he shrank when he grew that could explain a lot of the anger yeah it definitely for, could yeah well it explains roid rage to a degree i mean you know the rest of your body gets bulky and huge and then you have to deal with having a uh, a teeny weeny for the rest of your life and, and raisins for nuts Run away, tiny schmeckle. Uh, um, okay, how about intangibility? Think about that. You have the ability to phase, like Kitty Pride or like the ghost or whatever. You get to walk through walls and become intangible. Okay, let's find a drawback there. I'm sure we can. Um. Yeah, I mean, again, the clothing thing is an issue, but if we can just hand wave that away with unstable molecules, fine. We don't need to worry about that one anymore. But... What if you, um, that'd have to be something you'd have, you'd have to have absolute confident control over. You'd have to, right. because I mean, if you phrase through a wall and you, you clipped yourself off a, a nanosecond before you were all the way through and you trimmed off one of your fingertips or lost a foot or something, or <laughs> worse, if you sneezed and got distracted and were like half stuck in a wall and half out. Uh, it's possible that you'd be able to just, oh, well, this is not a big deal and phase again and then get right back out of it. But if you became tangible while you were through a wall and your heart got impaled by a, 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 a plumbing pipe or if you electrocuted yourself because you're walking through wiring, these are concerns. These are things you have to think about. Right. And, and, and like one bad day or you're sick and maybe your ability slips a little bit, you're inside a concrete wall or you're, you're, you're 10 feet down in the earth and you can't get out. I mean... Yeah, you're or, sleeping and you accidentally phase while you're sleeping because you're having a dream and you wake up stuck in your bed. Right. Or you don't wake up at all. You'd be done. Right. Uh, there's a whole... And again, there's the invisibility thing is where, yeah. where you'd be blind if you're invisible. Uh, if you phase out of... of uh, would you have to hold your breath while you're walking through the wall because your lungs have no structure and you couldn't take in air at the time? You, would you, How would you be able to phase through a four-foot concrete wall because you have to hold your breath the entire time because you can't breathe while you're in there? Who, who knows? We, this is why we talk about stuff like this. They had a really cool character, uh, uh, Thunder, in uh, Black Lightning, the TV show on the CW. And uh, one of her powers is she's invulnerable and super strong, but only yeah. while she's holding her breath. <laughs> and that's okay. That's a really cool... I mean, no, I like it because, I mean, it's a limitation. She's not 100% all the time. but So before she takes a hit, she has to go <gasps> and hold it. Or like before she like, and she has like the thunderclap, you know, she can do like the, the yeah. Hulk thing where he claps his hands and shit just flies away, but she has to be holding her breath at holding the time. Holding her breath. So if yeah. someone gets the drop on her and knocks her the hell out or takes her breath away somehow, she's powerless, utterly powerless, which I think it's great that 
I always have enjoyed the fact that if you have a power, there's always something to counter it, which is why kind of kryptonite exists and, and why, uh, why Superman exists. Right. There's got to be some kind of, uh, of, of weakness. There's got to be some kind of ability to stop a person. And in fact, uh, Batman had a whole list of uh, protocols to deal with uh, the Justice League in particular. Yeah. If they should go rogue, and that caused a whole bunch of comics stir and uh, created a program called Brother Eye, and that's a whole other thing. Um, and then and Charles Xavier had the same thing with the mutant protocols, where yeah. he had detailed files on how to take down each and every individual mutant under his care, and even those not under his care. And of course, as inevitably tends to happen, that shit got out into the wrong hands. And so now the bad guys have the ability to strike at every single one of these people's weaknesses. And we know exactly where those soft spots are, and we can take them out if we have to. Because mm-hmm. really, the, the essence of all drama is conflict. And the essence of all hero and superhero, and even just protagonist logic, is that you have to put these people in peril once in a while so that you can care about them. Because if you're Superman, and you have no weakness, if, if, you're, if you exist but Krypton, Kryptonite doesn't, and you can just waltz through life and nothing can touch you, then there's, there's no way that you can put that character in enough peril to make people care enough about the stakes of the story. So you have to have those kind of built-in weak points, or these characters just become immortal badasses who can't Homelander. be to... And, and, they're, and they're Homelander. Yeah, they're exactly Homelander. You can't do shit to me. I'm impervious. You can't lock me up. You can't kill me. You can't take anything away from me that I care about. So I can get away with doing anything. I can waltz through life completely unimpeded. And there's there's not a single thing you can touch me with. I mean, yeah. So, I mean, the real world application for superpowers. Now, uh, we've, we've kind of danced around the topic a bunch. And there's no real superpowers they don't exist anything that we have in this modern day and age is going to be uh, done through uh, physical conditioning or it's going to be done through technology yeah and yes i think we're moving more towards interesting things in that regard um i specifically remember adam savage testing out a uh, a flight suit uh, an iron man flight suit using uh and I've seen Jet videos packs. of guys who have come up with like the uh, like a Green Goblin style glider that's self-contained that can fit under their feet, that actually functions and looks very very much like the classic Green Goblin glider. I've seen video of that on YouTube. Yeah, and and like I said, go to a channel called the Hacksmith. The Hacksmith uh, has a, a a motto where he kind of tries to make it real, and and he does a lot of those things like uh, Captain America's shield he did with electromagnets and. Thor's hammer he did with electromagnets where you couldn't pick it up and yeah. and he's done repulsor blasts and and I mean he's done also he he was the guy who made the news uh, a few months ago because he made the world's first functioning plasma lightsaber so uh, the things that that man does in the realm of comics and believable superpowers I think he might be one of our first superheroes if we ever get one although he's actually blown that already by putting his face on YouTube taking credit for his inventions true true but he's got an arsenal of scientists he can throw behind it and uh have them become their own little superheroes and create his own little army i mean he's got a fucking lightsaber who's gonna stop him 
<laughs> not me, I'll tell you that. All right, if you got a list in front of you, or maybe I can try and find one, we got to do some quick shots here because we're going to wrap up pretty quickly. But what are some of the other sort of marquee uh, household name superpowers that would really, really suck in a practical real world setting? Spider Man's web slinging. He'd rip his arms right out of his sockets. The second he reached the apex of a swing, if not for the fact that he's he's got the strength and of a proportional strength and speed of a spider, that shoulder's going to pop out at the bottom of every swing just from momentum and inertia. People talk about Wolverine's claws, and that's all good and well. But let's say, okay, let's go with bone claws because he has bone claws too. Sure. If you do the bone claws, the second you punch something with those bone claws, it's going to rip your arm apart. Your entire and arm the bone will... claws are probably going to shatter. The, sh- the claws bones can't shatter. take that kind of impact. Well, let's say this. Again, if you have the claws without the healing factor or, or without the super strength to back them up, well, let's say you've got the adamantium claws. Let's go to the, pre- the premier side of things. Sure. Uh, let's even say that you've got a bit of a healing factor. Okay, so they don't they cut you, but you heal over time afterwards. You punch something with those claws enough to cut things because you see Wolverine trying to cut through trees and cut through this, that, and the other thing. If you didn't have the... the uh, the musculature underneath to handle that it would rip it right off it would would. shatter your arm if you didn't you'd have have to do slashing more than actual puncturing the impact of a dead-on because if it'd be like punching a wall at full speed with your fingers fully extended they just they would all the joints would snap right and then uh, also uh let's see uh superpowers namor underwater uh namor slash aquaman Sure. Uh, ability to talk to fish. Okay, everyone jokes about that one. That's all good and well. It's, a, it's 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 comedy, whatever. I'm not guessing fish have deep thoughts, no pun intended. The, the, <laughs> the classic goldfish three-second memory. They're not going to... That, that they traded off on uh, on Finding Nemo and Finding Dory. Uh, the joke that, that fish can't think. Uh, yeah, I don't imagine... Unless you're chilling with octopus or, or dolphins, they're probably not communicating that many deep concepts to you. Right. Uh, oh, so, so you can breathe underwater. That's fine. Um, I don't really... Uh, the only thing I can see bad about breathing underwater is, first of all, the intoxicants and pollutions in the water would have yeah. to be affecting you, uh, uh, if not at a greater rate than air pollution, then at least at the same rate as air pollution. Sure. Also, you would... Uh, would you have to have a trade-off? Would you not be able to breathe above water? You'd, you have to have two sets of lungs? I mean... Um, and then again, their super strength comes from the physical conditioning of being underwater and having to deal with underwater tension and underwater... Well, they touched on that a little bit in The Boys. Uh, they gave the deep some gills on his chest. Uh, Aquaman is not seen to have gills. It's just assumed that his lungs are dual purpose and he can breathe air and water. But uh, that's, uh, he's, he's amphibious. And that's fine. That, that, that exists in nature, so we know that's a thing that, that can happen. Um, but yeah, I mean, apart from... Uh, Aquaman, I remember, again, I've just kind of picked up comic books over the years, never really followed any given series, but there is one scene, in and it might have been in some of uh, uh, the Alex Ross Kingdom Come books, I, I'm, I'm probably messing that up, and I'm sure I'll be set straight on that, but there's a scene where uh, Aquaman is sitting on his throne in Atlantis, and I think it was Superman or somebody, some envoy from the Justice League is down underneath the water and trying to convince him to come onto the surface and help them with the problem they're having, and he says to whoever, I think it's Superman, he says, listen, Clark, you know what? Um, 70% of the earth is covered in water and they've got only me. The, the other 30% of land has got all of you. I'm a little busy, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to turn down your, your, your super sweet offer to come to the surface and help you guys. Because, you know, I'm it. I'm it for like most of the world. 
Right. So that might be the burden of responsibility of having to take care of the vast majority of the oceans might be the drawback for Aquaman. Quite possibly. Well, sticking then with the, with the Justice League thing, uh, let's go with the sort of Flash Quicksilver super speed powers. Um, uh, that would have to be something that, that, in a practical sense, you would have to be able to toggle on and off inside your head or in your body somewhere. Because if you had the ability to go super fast all the time, you would think in, in the Einstein's theory of relativity would, would state that that would mean that the rest of the world around you is moving very slowly. You'd be in a constant state of like the rest of the world being in molasses around you and you having to just be what moving at what feels like normal speed to you, but the rest of the world is just, you know, thigh deep in cold gravy. Um, so the, the Flash and Quicksilver both are shown to be able to operate at, at two speeds, normal speed and then ultra speed. But uh, how, do you, how do you click that back and forth in a way that makes sense for yourself so that you're not um, washing your dishes in 11 seconds and then having the rest of your day just completely with nothing to do and, except watch the world crawl by around you? And, and it also brings, I'm glad you brought up the Flash and, and Quicksilver uh, because uh, generating the kind of, of, of energy that it would take to run that fast or live that fast or just be that fast uh, they've touched on it in the comic books uh, with the Flash. He has to eat just an inordinate yeah. amount of calories to continue to produce. And Grant Gustin on the Flash series also they touched on that quite a bit, where he's constantly inhaling food just to be able to maintain. And that's that that makes sense because we talked earlier about like the strongman, like like the uh, the, the superheroes that, that kind of do exist in our reality, the people that can lift trucks and go on those uh, competitions where they tow airplanes with their their shoulders and whatnot, and. Yeah, those guys have to eat like seven or eight times a day. And they're taking in, you know, six, eight, ten thousand calories on training days so that they can maintain the massive bulk required to be able to be that strong. Yeah, I saw a picture on Instagram recently that The Rock posted. And it was a picture of The Rock's cheat day, uh, his cheat meal. And it's <laughs> a stack of pancakes as high as a fucking radial tyree well, flips well, on the days off. It was sushi. And it was just so much sushi. It was ridiculous. Yeah. Like, hundreds of dollars worth of sushi it's like oh my god got a protein I want, load i want to be in that room right now that's amazing what the rock is cooking just to steal one california roll off that guy's plate <laughs> and then he'd snap you the fucking look <laughs> the people's eyebrow right but I mean that that brings to mind a really good point is 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 that the Flash and Quicksilver would both have to generate and and, and ingest such an inordinate amount of caloric intake, and and I think that the, one of the things that that Barry does in the comics is that they've got a, a specialized uh, uh, protein bar that he eats that has just thirty thousand calories or whatever the hell it is. It's just super caloric and super sugary and super just dense. Yeah, it's probably like trying to chew through a brick if it's got that much protein in it. But I mean, I eat protein bars because I'm trying to I'm trying not to die, and uh, I, I've definitely tried pretty much every one that I'm aware of, and some of them taste like pressed sawdust, and others are actually pretty palatable. But you kind of sometimes have to make a trade off for flavor and nutritional content. It's true. Uh, and then I can't think of any more uh, powers that really stand out as far as being horrible. You got like your angel with the wings. And, and yeah. all of a sudden, you've got to find a place to put these wings when they are not in use. So you'd always kind of have that 
that uh, bulky backpack clothing kind of thing going on. Yeah, right. f- big thick overcoats. And I realize we've been we've been very uh, uh, not racist, not I can't think of the word ableist. Ableist, yeah. When we're talking about this, because there's a whole raft and a subset of of superhuman and mutant that have uh, abilities that are unable to be hidden in in general day to day. These the like Cyclops with the constant ruby sunglasses. He can't look at anything with his own eyes, or else he levels a building and kills people. Or like the the people that are pink or blue or, or like Beast or, or Nightcrawler or, you know, these people who have like physical deformation as part of their... And Mystique is blue, but she can turn that on and off if she well, wants. Well, yeah, she doesn't count. But with her power, okay. I know we're wrapping up, but check this out. If you were Mystique, right, and you had the ability right. to become anyone Anybody. you wanted to be, how long do you think it would be before you lose your identity? You forget who you are. Who am I at the core of my being? Because I can be anybody I want, anytime I want. Right. Who am I? Who are? Who am I? Who's the real mystique? You would just have like such an incredible amount of existential dread and, and depression and anxiety, and I can't. Imagine. But I guess the, the flip side to that is, if you could be, if you could be anybody else you wanted to be, and you didn't want to be yourself for a little while, like I know all of us are. There, there's a, the classic concept in uh, in in. Uh, psychology of like you know everywhere I go there I am I can't get away I, you can never escape yourself but if you were a mystique you could just I'm, I'm going to decide to be you know Kim Kardashian today and then tomorrow I'm going to be the president um, I guess if you can be anybody you can escape who you are but of course that is an unhealthy coping mechanism when you're not dealing with your own issues right um, anyone else that stands out to you at this point or do you kind of well, I was trying to think, just running down like your sort of marquee Avengers, your sort of marquee uh, Justice League members. I think we covered most of the big ones. Um, kind of sort of mentally spinning through. Because, yeah, there are some there are some other uh, Avengers that don't have super... Uh, Black Widow has no superpowers uh, beyond her incredible combat ability and, and her incredibly sharp uh, tactical mind. And sort of the same with Clint Barton Hawkeye. He's just a really, really amazing archer, which... And they've kind of touched on that. They, they, there were some <laughs> SNL sketches and some other... Uh, sort of fun little takes on the Hawkeye character. It's like, okay, well, this guy over here is a literal god, and that guy over there is a super soldier with uh, a magical shield and, a, and a, a serum that makes him super strong, fast, and and almost impervious to harm. What do you do? Well, I can I can shoot the ass off a fruit fly at three thousand yards. You know, <laughs> uh, it's 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 a good thing to uh, to have. It, uh, obviously, it's it's a great skill, and it's employed to great effect in the comics and the films. Right. But uh, you you kind of got to feel like the the redheaded stepchild of the group when when this guy could throw a, a tank into outer space and and well, I'm I've just got really good aim, one and I'm my, also deaf depending on the continuity. Yeah, right. Uh, one of my favorite comedians, which again is very ableist, and I apologize for that. They found ways around it, but <laughs> one of my favorite comedians, Patton Oswalt, has this routine where he talks about I love Patton Oswalt, Jesus joining uh, the X Men, and. Uh, He's like, would they invite him into the X-Men just for his resurrection powers alone? And then they talk about, you know, how they sandwiched <laughs> all of the powers from the Bible into this one person. It's like, so you got Sandwich Joe who can feed like 700 people with one loaf of bread and a fish. And it's like, so on the one hand, you got the, the feeding powers. And on the other hand, you can turn water to wine and you can walk on water and you can bring people back from the dead. He's like, that's great. I mean... You know, we don't have kind of, you know, we'll put you in a cool spandex uniform. We'll keep you in the back lines. If someone goes down, you can, 
you could just be at the mansion and boop, bring him back to life. And and uh, but if he only had like the sandwich powers, sandwich Joe, I think is what he called him. He's the, and he's like, oh, geez, uh, mm. have you have you looked at the Avengers? I mean, they got a guy who just shoots arrows. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, for sure. I really think that the the be all end all of the conversation is there's really not going to be a way to have any kind of superhuman ability that doesn't require a great amount of uh, sacrifice and and personal uh, risk, personal pain. Right. And so, I mean, I think we're moving more in that direction uh, with uh, technology and with uh, physical conditioning and being what it is. But by and large, the big screen tights and flights thing is never really going to be a part of our everyday reality, which is fine. It's, it's meant to be fiction. Um, uh, the thought of Homelander running around scares the piss out of me, honestly. Uh, the fact the fact that we talked about, just in that last couple episodes, we talked about uh, superhero damages and the shit that they do to level cities and inconvenience yeah. people with dropping a, a hammer on your car. I mean, just the reality of living in that reality would be really just cumbersome. I think one of the first times I thought to myself, boy, the Immortals sure have an attitude, was uh, when The Crow came out in the early 90s. It was one of my favorite movies to this day, and it's just a fantastic film. And uh, as soon as, I mean, Eric Draven is dealing with the pain of having lost his fiancée and, and having been dead for quite a while, and then he comes back and and he is able to uh, to kind of fuck shit up because he can't be killed. And then at some point in the movie, he does lose his ability, and, and it's a, a big issue because it's tied to his, his Crow familiar. But... Um, you know, he kind of swans through that movie just... He's, he's, he's definitely an anti-hero because he's killing for revenge, but he also just has this this devil-may-care, ne'er-do-well swagger that's just... And I, I remember thinking to myself, yeah, I guess if, if nothing could touch you, like if, if nobody could kill you, you, I would definitely be a little bit mouthy. Like if I was in a bar and, and somebody, <laughs> you know, pissed me off, I would I would lip off and they would break a bottle in the bar and stab me and then I would, I would just sit there and roll my eyes and take another drink and when they, I had to pull it out and they could watch me stop bleeding. Uh, I would definitely be kind of a dick. I, I, maybe not like going out and committing crimes. I don't have it in me to commit crimes, but I would say if I couldn't be killed and I couldn't be hurt and if somebody shot me, if I'd get right back up again, I, I would definitely do, use that to mess with people. I would try to get mugged on purpose just to watch people's faces. <laughs> I can see you doing that. Yeah. Well, out there in uh, in uh, our audience, I kind of like to know what you think. What would you, what's your ideal superpower? What is something that you've always thought of as uh, that would be really cool to have? I mean, uh, would it be flight? Would it be invincibility? Would it be laser vision or uh, toxic farts or whatever it is? I mean, what, it, what is your... Well, I have those already. If that uh, counts as a superpower, then I am a superhero. You're the spleen from... Uh, from What was that? Uh, uh, Mystery Men. Mystery Men, yeah. The Another classic favorite. Of course. But uh, I shovel things well. Uh, I shovel very well. But uh, I mean, out there, tell us what your uh, what your superpower go to is, and and let's see if we can't find the pros and cons of that, the pluses and minuses of that. Uh, you can always send your responses to us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash feel your fandom. Uh, you can definitely hit us up on our email, which is feel your fandom at gmail.com. Or if you can hit us up at our alternate email, which we use primarily for bookings and show ideas, that is fyftalentbooking at gmail.com. You can send your questions there. 
But from us to you, we want to thank you for participating. Uh, we can't do this without you. We're glad you're here. And, and we're glad we get to have these uh, weekly conversations with you all. And uh, uh, we definitely want to thank you for that. So on behalf of myself and Jim, I'd like to thank you for listening. And do remember what I always try to remind you. Everything is fandom. And fandom is everything. Take care. connection is unstable yeah well aren't we all right me too internet connection me too <laughs>